Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, it's buyout season in the NHL. As we get closer to the expansion draft, we'll be talking a little bit about who's been left um, unprotected with a number of teams. Um, And and the Leafs make a trade. Uh, Also something we'll get into this episode. But first off, as always, how's it going this week? Doing good. Um, Sad that Shark Week came to end. Um, I know last week we talked a bit about it. Um, Really went by pretty quick. And this was pretty interesting, especially later in the week with the shows or whatever. But that's me digressing with some of the nerd stuff. But speaking of nerd stuff, I saw my timeline one, one day. Sarah Jenkins, who is a digital studio producer at CBC Sports, tweeted out images of a certain guy who plays a marvel cinematic universe character wearing a maple leaf hat can you guess who that would be captain america captain america is a maple leaf fan chris evans she posted three separate photos of chris evans wearing a maple leaf hat and it is confirmed that if there's anybody that needs to save the day in Maple Leaf Land, it's going to be Captain America. Yeah, I think it's 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 about time the Leafs change their third jersey anyway. So maybe we can put that uh, that Captain America shield on the on the <laughs> shoulders or something like a shoulder patch. Oh, uh, maybe just have an Avenger night and just have the shield as like part of a logo or something. But I think they may have to call Disney and Marvel and try and get something going with that logo to be used. But that is too complicated for me right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> As you know, we are recording here, I guess, technically Monday morning at uh, 12.06. But what better time to get into the craziness that is is upon us? It's, I mean, you and I jumped on uh, the hockey writers uh draft show i guess we should mm-hmm. say with with matt zader and greg boysen um earlier this this morning uh and we we talked all things nhl draft and obviously the expansion draft comes is coming before us but 
one thing Greg mentioned is that for guys like yourself and I, who are both into prospects, we, you know, we love looking at the intricacies of the game that these young players are getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like Christmas for us. This is, this is, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's such a crazy, exciting time of year, especially this year with, with the draft being as, as insane as it's going to be. Uh, there's so many unknowns. Um, you know, we, I got a message from our editor over at the hockey writers, Dean, uh, to kind of look at the comments that are on our YouTube video. Um, we did a mock draft this morning and, uh, you know, there, there, there's some questions surrounding one of the picks I made for the New York Rangers in uh, <laughs> later in the first round. But um, obviously, I'll get to those <laughs> later after after we record here. But it, I mean, there's so many opinions and there's so many uh, unique, I, I want to say unique players, but players that are so similar in terms of what mm-hmm. they can bring to teams that this whole even the first round of this year's draft is going to be such a mumble jumble of of uh, of names that are just flying across the board um there's no real way to predict just what the first round is going to look like expect craziness even going into the second round like there are players that are like late seconds that are jumping up into the early second um late first I know I've seen – I know I'm big on this guy, Olin Zellweger. He's jumped into the first round on a number of rankings. Um, it, it's going to be insane. I mean, like you said, this is Christmas for us, and now we're getting even more spoiled with the expansion draft, this, and free agency all back-to-back-to-back to back to back in such a short amount of time given the season. But, yeah, like you said, this draft, I mean, and even doing this draft today, um, our mock – some picks were the same, but a lot of different variations and a lot of movement going up and down based on the prospects as well. So I'm I'm curious to see how things are going to unfold with that. Um, we said at the beginning it's unpredictable, and I'm pretty sure on Friday night and Saturday everything's going to be just as unpredictable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And before we get into the expansion draft, all the trades that are happening um, – all the uh, the signings that are taking place right now. There there are mm-hmm. a couple of uh, small notes that I want to um, get to before we get to that. Uh, obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Kiv Lennox uh, last week. Uh, obviously, yeah. him passing away. Um, something that we did not talk about is um, what was said in his memorial uh, service in uh, from you know Elvis Merzlikens, who said that you know. Um, a lot of people didn't know just the you know the magnitude in which he uh, was hit with this this firework. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that he you know basically I, I I'm gonna try and sum it up the best I can, but basically he took a shot from the Merzlikens family, um, and some described it as him making the biggest save of his life, um, while others just said you know like he he was legitimately a hero uh, for what he did and. Uh, Elvis, Elvis kind of broke it down as, you know, he saved my wife, he saved my son, he saved my, 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 myself. Um, and, you know, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, a 24 year old, that's his mentality. That was his teammate. And, and for, for, that was his brother. I mean, for what he did mm-hmm. to jump in front of that firework or, or, or take that firework, uh, so that it didn't hit anybody else and, 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 you know, losing his life over it. It's just, 
Uh, I, I felt like it was something that we definitely needed to bring up in the opening of this show. Um, yeah. Just, just because you don't see people do that just out of nowhere. Um, and for him to do that, I mean, he truly is a hero for what, what he did. You summed it up very perfectly. Um, I, as soon as I heard that, and then I saw the comments that he said, um, everyone was saying that that was the biggest save of his life, saving his son and his wife and himself in the process. I mean, that, that, that like, I, I, I shed a tear I mean, obviously, you can't tell because of the screen on social media. But like when I heard that, I'm like, I got choked up. I I shed a tear because, man, that is gut wrenching to hear. And you even saw it on Merce Leakins's face and his tone as well. How truly sad but grateful he was in the process. And yeah, it's it was it was really tough to hear that. I mean, it, even just thinking about it right now, um, again, you, you heard it in his voice. He, like, it, it was... The, like, there's no way to comprehend it, and there's no way to describe it, because it's just so much pain and anguish in the process with everything going on with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it's... Yeah, it's just a tough situation, and like mm-hmm. I said, I, I I wouldn't feel right if we didn't talk about it, um, just because it is one of those things that, you know, might fly under the radar, especially if you, you weren't, you know, in into the, the memorial or, or what have you. Maybe you missed yeah. it, but um, yeah, I just thought it was something that we definitely needed to touch on. Um, definitely. With, with that, I also wanted to mention that Shea Weber, um, obviously... Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that he will be missing all of next season. Um, and the injuries that he's dealing with, the the breakdown in his body, um, there is a potential that this could be career ending for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we all kind of saw how emotional he was after they, they were beaten by uh, – by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the uh, in the Stanley Cup final, um, you know he obviously emotional, uh, upset. His teammates consoled him a little bit on the ice as well, but nobody really understood the magnitude in which he was playing under. Um, what 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 his injuries, the toll that his injuries were taking on his body, um, and and how long he's been playing with these injuries. Um, you know, I I kind of said it. After they lost, I wanted to, I wanted a cup for for Carey Price. I should have mentioned that I wanted a cup for for Shea Weber as well. Um, that being said, at the time I had no idea what Weber was going through, and and to see him kind of go out this way, if in fact this is career ending, um, you know, for me it's just it, it, it's not a way you want to see a guy like him go out. Yeah, and we were doing the THW live show when afterwards we heard the news and it was just like wow that was like a big shock and like you mentioned like when players lose the Stanley Cup obviously they're showing the emotion of losing everything but there was more to that with Shea Weber and it seemed like you know it was hurting him more than anybody else and I think now we know why um given the fact that you know he has he's going to be out for a season, but there's also the potential that it, it, that his career could end sooner than expected. And, you know, he may want to have one more shot, but this may be the last one. And maybe he, it, it, everything came crashing down and came to earth that, you know, 
what if this is it? What if this is the closest that I'm going to get to? And you really feel for him. And like you said, you know, Carey Price and Shea Weber, you want to see them. They've been in the league for so long that they deserve their opportunity to win. And I know we're a Maple Leaf podcast, but fact is fact. They do deserve it. But hearing the potential outcome for Shea Weber, and not only that, the whole um, recapture penalty, if he does retire in the process, uh, Montreal is going to have to eat some of that cap, but most of it's going to be on the natural predators because of that massive contract that he signed um, before the new rule was implemented on the cap or the length on the years. But yeah, it's it, it's really tough. It, it really is. And I really feel for him right now. Yeah, no, I mean, 35, obviously he was in the tail end of his career as it was. But uh, like I said, you never want to see a guy go out the way that he did uh, or, mm-hmm. or that that he could potentially be going out. Um, you know, it, it still blows my mind that this guy was a second round pick, 49th overall in 2003. Uh, you know, seeing what he's done in his career, over a thousand games, close to 600 points uh, in, in the regular season. And a guy that just had one of easily one of the best and hardest shots um, from the blue line, but, um, yeah, I mean, definitely something to keep our eye on as we move forward in this, not, not only uh, this season, but into next season and thereafter, if, if he does in fact retire, um, because of these injuries, uh, it, it could, it could impact the Montreal Canadians in a big way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, tough to replace them. Definitely tough to replace them. And, and, and as I said, we did our mock draft today on the, on the, uh, the hockey writers uh, draft show. And, uh, you know, when we, when we talked about Montreal and what they needed, um, there was a lot of focus on, on forward depth rather than defense. But I mean, you, you take him out of the, out of the picture and all of a sudden um, there's a big question mark on D as well for them. So Mm -hmm. um, something, like I said, something to keep an eye on one more note before we get into all the expansion talk. Um, And, and again, this one's, this one's a tough one. Um, Logan Mayu, um, obviously somebody that we've talked about, uh, when it comes to the NHL draft this season, a, a guy that some had, you know, potentially being a first round pick at the NHL draft, uh, definitely somewhere in, in the second or third round. Um, but a guy who very much will not be drafted in the 224 picks that will be taking place at the 2021 NHL draft this year. Um, Logan Mayu, uh, this season, he's a, he's a London Knight, uh, uh, player in the OHL that said this season, he was over in Sweden playing. And, uh, I mean, this, this story is a little complicated, uh, in the fact that it took so long to come out because I guess in Sweden, he can't technically be named under the fine because he was a minor at the time, Mm -hmm. but obviously, um, soliciting photos and, and video of uh, a sexual uh, a, se- a sexual act that he had a consensual sexual act that he had with with a woman and um, he obviously shared it with his teammates uh, it was kind of circulated she caught wind and um, decided to go to the police uh, about him um, you know obviously sharing what he had no no um, I guess, no consent. Yeah, he had no consent to share, obviously. And her she, profile as well. Exactly, exactly. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, again, I think we talked a little bit about 
issues with these these young guys coming up and uh you know i talked to a guy who who kind of knew mayu growing up and and he said you know he's always been somebody who's had a little bit of an ego issue um Mm -hmm. that's not to say that it doesn't that it's not you know it's still there but um you know i i do think the london knights organization was one of the best ones that he could have been drafted to with the hunters you know they really set the tone that said i mean this is this is a sequence of really bad choices that he's made that that is in fact gonna gonna affect his future and not only his but the future of of the woman involved as well mm-hmm. yeah and the details are disgusting i mean it really is uh the charges according to frank saravelli who broke the uh the news uh charged with offensive photography and defamation and just hearing it like and reading everything that i mean one line that really caught my attention was a quote where um sarah valley was talking about um it was an it was a a part of the report or the investigation where mayu told reporters that um or this is what was said in the report logan said he had met the victim after the incident that occurred and that she told him that she wanted to ruin his career. Logan explained that the NHL draft is on the way, and that she knows this that she knows this, and that it, it is sensitive. I, for one, a lot of things with that statement just doesn't make any sense at all. For one, she didn't ruin his career; he did. He was the one that took the took the images and sent it out without her consent um and not even and even the profile as well taking that without her consent or knowledge of anything that was going on he's the one that sent those images of an of basically i would uh, that's like an invasion of privacy and you know a breach of trust right there and two he's the one who sent the images to his teammates don't know why he's trying to deflect the blame on her and trying to make himself the victim when he's the one that basically sent the images he took it he's he even linked the profile itself that's very invasive and very offensive i i just don't quite understand that she was out to try and ruin his career when he was the one that made the choices that he made yeah i think this kind of goes back to uh that arizona pick last last year where you know there's the remorse just isn't there right now Mm -hmm. and uh, i mean and he kept saying, like, it was a mistake in a statement. I, I, I How is this a mistake? Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't get it. That's why, like, for me, I, I was so careful with my words because I, I don't want to say mistake. It's not a mistake. It's It, it really is a, a poor choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he the mistake was the mistake was probably the statement after, you know, basically deflecting all the blame onto other people and make himself seem like the victim. And, and you know, I'm young and, and um, you know, it, it was just a, a poor decision. You know what? It, it's something that now has not only had an impact on your life, but now you've, you've really changed the life of the woman involved as well. Absolutely. Um, this is somebody yeah. that obviously, you know, trusted you um, whether, whether it was, you know, whether it was, a one-time, you know, hookup or what have you, but it, it was, you know, it was somebody that obviously trusted you and, and you, you took that trust and you, you just, you know, you shit all over it. And that's, that's the problem that I have is that, 
you know, these kids think that they're, they deserve something. And, and I'm not saying every single one, I'm not generalizing. I'm saying mm-hmm. there are, there are kids that are pushed to, you know, all they know is how to play hockey. All they yeah. know is, is hockey is everything to them. And, and they forget about the common sense and, and the respect that goes into the people around you as you climb that ladder. And yeah. for me, for me, that, that this is the perfect example of that it is a guy, a kid who has not yet made anything of himself, had the opportunity to do so. And because he forgot about the respect of other human beings, he's now, um, you know, it's going to impact his future. And, mm-hmm. you know, this could be, this could be a case, you know, different from, from, from the, that Arizona pick last year. Um, this could be a case of, you know, maybe, maybe he's, he's given another chance. Um, I'm not saying he deserves one. Let's get that clear. I'm yeah. saying that maybe he's given a second chance. Maybe he's, he, he shows some remorse and maybe a team eventually takes a waiver on him. Um, but at this point in time, um, you, you know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, had a chance to make it to the show with very talented, um, uh, a lot of upside, and yeah. and because of of you know wanted to look good for the boys, um, this is this is a perfect example of why people shit all over hockey culture. Yeah, and and this is where it, this kind of mentality and this, um, yeah, this mentality, this self uh, idea of self entitlement needs to be gone, because. Like it, it's just sickening and disgusting how they're able to still try and feel like this is how hockey players should be. This is disgusting. You you should not be able to treat any human being, a woman or anyone else, in this kind of fashion. It's it's repulsive. And like you said, like I, I he's going to have to do a lot to make up for what he did because that kind of apology and even the statement from the London Knights, it didn't. A lot of people were very disappointed with how it was worded and maybe that was maybe just two paragraphs where not a whole lot was even done to try and like, like, tr- like it just nothing was said to, uh, I'm trying, um, let's just, people were just not happy with the yeah, response it was, at all. It was, a, it was a very yeah. generalized statement. It was yeah. very, very crafted. It was crafted perfectly. It was a very, very good PR statement. It was not the right statement to make in this situation. There we go. Um, yeah. I think I think at a certain point you need to you need to stand by your organization. You need to stand by your players, but you also need to admit their wrongs as well. And and, and in, in in this case, I think people were looking for the team to distance themselves from Mayu. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I think the team, and this is where the team might be the right team for a kid like that. They're looking to. Uh, I want to I want to say civilize a, a player that obviously has taken the wrong road. Um, I, I don't know if civilize is the right word, I, you know, um, but they're they're looking to um, try and teach somebody about some of the bad decisions they made. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of at a crossroads here. I don't know if that's the right thing for you know the team to do, but at the same time, you know if they're going to put the effort forth uh, forward and, and, and try and help this this kid learn from his mistakes. Um, again, 
I, I do, I do hope that, you know, everyone involved, um, finds peace in, in what they, you know, what they experienced. I think Mayu needs some time away from the game to realize that, you know, there's more to life than hockey. And I think that's, that's where he went wrong is that he, he was so focused on hockey and that come that that's trickles down from, from the family that, uh, that he, he grows up in as well. That's not, that's not just on him. It's, 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 it's a whole culture that we've mm-hmm. created. Yeah. Seeing how he was. And a lot, and I saw this from, you know, FC hockey who had him ranked as well. Obviously, we didn't know about this beforehand, and even on my final rankings, I had him ranked as, you know, mid-third kind of kind of range. Obviously, I, I, I mean, I removed him from the list, and had I known about this in advance, obviously I would not have had him on there. So it's it, it caught a lot of, uh, it, it basically caught everybody off guard because it, 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 it just came up. I saw it on my timeline and I saw Frank Saravelli's tweet and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is not good at all. And I, and, and again, uh, SC came out with a statement saying that they were, that they're fixing their, their rankings as well as, you know, a, 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 some were not aware, including myself. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really, I mean, I, I'm I'm just tired of this. They're like something just needs to change. This is just ridiculous at this point, you know. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, but let's move on from that. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, like I said, we send our well wishes to to the woman involved and and hopefully uh, finds peace in 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 you know the resolution here. But um, yeah, I mean uh, buyout season, as I mentioned, buyout season. A lot of big names available <laughs> as free agents now. Um, the expansion draft is coming. The Kraken. I, I, I have a quick question for you regarding the expansion draft, and I, I really want to kind of jump into this in an article for the hockey writers. But what is your opinion on the expansion draft? Because for me, it doesn't award the teams that have been working so hard to draft and develop and become competitive competitive teams and to be honest seeing the names that are available now i think the seattle kraken are one going to be a playoff team but (laughs) but two are going to be a team that potentially could go on a run just as the vegas knights uh did only a couple years ago um is the expansion draft awarding these teams for coming in late um or or are we just seeing a new age of of how we do expansion at the nhl level well i i mean they're coming in with nobody on their roster you, you gotta you basically come in i i believe seattle only had one player signed and i honestly think that you know what you gotta help them out get them started as well get them on their feet i mean they really can't do a whole lot on their own they were still building up their scouting department and everything like that so i do think that it is helpful to help get them going i mean we saw the expansion drafts in the past when you know teams like minnesota and nashville came in even columbus um it, 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 I mean, it, I, I think maybe because I was hoping that maybe teams learned their lesson from the first time around. I'm not even seeing that at all, especially with some of the decisions on some of the expansion draft rosters. Um, it, it's it really is crazy. I mean, I'm looking at Seattle's roster. They only, Luke Luke Henman is the only one signed. 
and they need they need rosters, they need bodies, and a lot of I mean the other thirty one teams have depth, they have players, so you, it it is is I mean it, it just seems the right thing to do, you know I mean. I, I have no issue with the expansion process as, uh, as a whole. It's just, man, I think teams are really overthinking things right now. It's just my way of... It's, obviously, you can't keep everybody. You're going to have to give up one good player. But, man, some of these decision, decisions are just really mind-boggling right now. Yeah, I guess my, my question is more like, should teams have been allowed to, I guess protect more players than they did and i i only say that because one i mm-hmm. see I, you know we saw the success of the the vegas golden knights uh, as soon as they came into the league they've been a contender ever since we've seen we're seeing the players that are being made available to the Kraken this this time around they're they are legitimately going to be a contending team i think with with what they're going to be able to put on the ice but then i look at teams like i don't know the toronto maple leafs the Buffalo Sabres, the Ottawa Senators, teams that are trying to build through the draft, teams that are trying to put together, you know, competitive franchises for their fan base. And now they have to give up a potential roster player that, you know, could be a player that would help them down the stretch. I mean, when you think about it, the Ottawa Senators left Matt Murray up for grabs. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Maple Leafs traded for Jared McCann, a, a potential fill in in the bottom six and now you're leaving him up for for grabs as well um you know if uh, let's i mean let's just jump right in um the florida panthers are leaving uh Dreger available for the kraken um you know these like tarasenko i mean obviously he wants out of st louis but in this situation i mean the could they have possibly made it a, a better trade than having to leave him open for expansion um, you know, Carey Price is another name. There's the, the names that are available. It just makes me wonder that, you know, are teams being forced to either one, make the move and, and offer up picks so that they can pr- basically essentially protect another player? Or, you know, are we just giving the Seattle fan base too much of a boost in their in their inaugural year just to get them you know involved excited and and want to keep this team in the city right off the bat the good thing is for teams like ottawa and other teams that are still trying to like draft and develop their prospects players are who are on their elc are not eligible for this so you're not looking at giving up tim stutzla on ottawa you're not looking up giving Quentin Byfield on LA King. So there's a silver lining right there. And I understand where you're coming from too, especially with some of the roster players right now. I mean, Florida is in a tough spot given the fact that, I mean, they could have easily have exposed Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, but let's face it. I mean, I know Seattle needs to add contracts and everything like that, but that is one contract I would like to try and avoid given how poor he's played and hasn't lived up to that contract at all. And Spencer Knight is, you know, their goalie of their future. And I'm pretty sure he, he's just coming in as a rookie. So he's not, he's protected already. He's not uh, uh, like, he's not up for grabs, but like you mentioned about, especially someone like Tarasenko, I mean, 
that situation has gotten even more ugly than I think Jack Eichel's situation with the Buffalo Sabres. And wow, that's 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 a big that's a big that's, statement that's a, right there. That's a big statement. That's a bold statement. Um, but yeah, Sarah, uh, Frank Saravalli. I mean, I mean, we already mentioned him already with his article from Daily Faceoff, but he has already mentioned that there were four teams interested in Tarasenko taking on his full cap and full salary. Other teams want to retain transactions. Um, given the fact that teams were in on him, I, I, if the Blues didn't agree to one deal because it didn't meet expectations, that seemed like a really, really bad choice given how things went sour very quickly with him, with them and Tarasenko. If I were them, I would have taken the best deal possible. And because of his injury history, because of the $7.5 million contract, maybe they're trying to like, not necessarily lowball, but give a lesser offer given the fact that, you know, they want to not pay, overpay given his, the injuries and everything. And I get that teams didn't want to pay the full price. But if I'm St. Louis, why wouldn't I just take the best offer? You're letting a 30 to 40 goal scorer go. 70-point player walk for absolutely nothing. You're basically saying, Merry Christmas, Seattle. Take our star sniper. That, yeah. That's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life. And if I'm Seattle, that's, that's who I'm taking from St. Louis. There's my future sniper. There's my top-line player that I would want on my team. Yeah, I mean, I, like, even even if a team offered you a seventh-round pick to, for Tarasenko in his full contract, like, I mean, I'm right there with you. Why would you take something? Mm-hmm. I, I just – this this one does make sense to me. Um, and and I can I can justify most of the other names on, on unprotected lists. Um, obviously, you know, the Carey Price one is, is surprising. Um, that said, you know, they, they think about his – his signing bonus that is due uh, that Seattle would have to pay if they picked him up. I believe it's $11 million. Um, so you have to think like if you're Seattle, you don't want to pay that right off the hop. I did see with Carey Price, I think because of his recent news of his injury and possibly needing surgery, I think there was, I, I can't remember who posted it on Twitter, but there was a full excerpt where it was him saying that he wanted to waive his no trade clause so they could, purposely protect Jake Allen and not lose him that way they needed a goalie next season and he's basically taking one for the team in that aspect if he's going to be on long-term reserve they're going to need a goalie so you might as well keep Jake Allen and if they're going to put him on LTIR I believe players on LTIR are exempt as well from the draft so there goes Carey Price off the bat and Seattle's going to have to look at another goaltender than Carey Price so I think that is the case with that. My understanding is if if a player is on LTIR, they had to have missed the previous 60 games. Okay, there we go. And that made them exempt from the from the uh, expansion draft, which is why Seattle can still technically select um Carey Price. Price in the in the in the draft. I think a lot of the biggest question right now is whether they want to pay his salary and the signing bonus is, is a big signing bonus right off the hop. That um, and that's all cash that's going right to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the big question right now. And I believe it was Pierre Lebrun that just tweeted out not long ago that um, there is a lot of consideration coming from the Seattle team 
looking at Carey Price. That said, he still believes that they won't go that route, that mm-hmm. they, they're likely to go more of a, a Chris Drieger route. Um, or, or, you know, they could sign a guy like Freddie off, off of free agency as well. But um, that Carey Price's contract will still be an issue for Seattle and that they won't take him. But there is consideration going on in that room right now uh, when it comes to, to the Montreal goaltender. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. How much chaos would Montreal be if they actually selected Carey Price? Well, did we all see how the city partied when they made it to the Stanley Cup final? Yeah. I think times that by 10. (laughs) That will be, and everyone is saying this, they want to see chaos with this expansion draft. And as soon as they saw Carey Price's name show up, everyone is saying, I want chaos. I want chaos. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, the names on some of these, these unprotected lists is just, it's crazy. Um, and, And it, I mean, obviously, if you if you're Seattle, you you really do have to consider taking a guy like Tarasenko. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he's had some injury history, but you're talking about a guy who, like you said, could could put up. He's he's a 30 goal scorer, no problem. Um, so I mean that that's an interesting one for us. But I I mean Wednesday can't come soon enough. I think uh, you know I think all of our eyes will be locked on the TVs, ready to go see who they take. Um, it's going to be a crazy time. And we talk about free agency as well. Um, You know, the Panthers bought out Keith Yandel. He's a guy, he's an option for, you know, Mm -hmm. teams out there now. He's a free agent at probably a low cost. Um, The the Wild bought out, uh, you know, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Yes, older players. Yes, veteran players. But there's a lot of interest in in Ryan Suter's services right now. Um, They could probably go at, at, you know, smaller uh, smaller dollar amounts as well. Um, this this free agency, this draft, this this whole off season is going to be absolutely nuts. Another name I want to bring up that was left unprotected is PK Subban as well. Um, again, another big contract, but somebody that you know can bring a lot of energy to a room. Um, can obviously can obviously put up, put up the numbers when he's healthy. And uh, that's a, that's another guy I'm keeping my eyes on when it comes to the Seattle Kraken as well. Yeah. Um, I understand they need to, you know, I, I, and I, and I, and a lot of people are taking this into effect too. They're looking at contracts, they're looking at terms and the length of the contract as well. I mean, he 9 million can help them out on the back end, but he's only going to be with them for one year. I, I, if Seattle is building, I think they're going to also look at teams or players that have a contract for two, three years down the line and not just become a UFA right after. It's still an interesting name regardless. Um, I don't know if that's going to be their selection from New Jersey. If it is, um, great. But again, you're only getting one year service of PK as opposed to maybe um, – Trying to see who's on their protected list as well. Um, I can't find it at the top of my head right now, but wait, here we go. New Jersey. If I could find New Jersey, New Jersey, here we go. Um, maybe picking somebody up like a Will Butcher or a Connor Carrick. Um, 
I mean, Butcher is also a UFA as well. They already got Ryan Graves. They're probably most of I mean, they've already protected him. Um, yeah, they, so many other options that I think that maybe not even just on New Jersey, but another team to fill that D spot as well with more term, maybe at a cheaper cap hit as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I did just want to bring his name up because I do think it's an interesting, you know, an interesting player for them to to leave unprotected. But Definitely. obviously you mentioned the trade, Ryan Graves going to the Devils from the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I think we've talked in length about the depth that the Avalanche have on the back end. Ryan Graves is just, uh, you know, one of those guys who ended up being the odd man out, obviously with the addition of Devin Taves this offseason. Um, you know, it made Graves expendable. Um, it's a, I, I think it's a solid pickup for the Devils. Uh, they gave up Maltsev and a second round pick in uh, twenty in 2021. So obviously, you know, we mentioned it. Uh, the the draft picks are going to be flying around. I think in, in this coming draft, and this is just mm-hmm. a one example of how we're going to see that. But um, yeah, I mean, great pickup for the Devils gives them a little bit more um, space to to you know. Unpro- leave a couple more players unprotected on the back end and, and really have a solid defenseman in Ryan Graves. No, definitely. And maybe that second round pick, that could be a turning point for most teams that may want to try and say, hey, Ryan Graves got this. We may have a better one that's deserving of a second round pick as well. So that could probably set the tone for a lot of teams right now in terms of the pricing for defensemen. And if you're, I'm just going to say this right now, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, why not try and get another second round pick if you are trying to trade a uh, Travis Dermott? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, obviously, Dermott was left unprotected as well by the Leafs. Um, but he's he's definitely a guy that, uh, you know, and, and at a, a low cap hit, he's a guy that could definitely, definitely bring in some good, uh, some good assets in return. Mm-hmm. Um, another defenseman that I do want to talk about is Miro Heiskanen. Uh, eight years, $8.45 million per. Um, what are your thoughts on this deal for Miro Heiskanen? Um, great deal. Uh, really can't complain about it. Uh, he's been one of the one of the top defensemen over the past few years. And obviously, I think his name should greatly get into some consideration for the Norris trophy at some point. Um, eight years, 8.45 million. Um, not, not a bad, not a bad number for someone who's, you know, does everything at both ends. He can score, he can kill penalties, he can do everything. And the fact that, you know, back to back 30 point seasons, 27, uh, this past season, He's a solid all-around two-way defenseman, and I have no issue with that contract at all. He deserves every single penny of it. Yeah, you mentioned it. uh, Back-to-back 30-point seasons, 12 goals in his rookie year, 95 points through 205 career games. I guess for me, the question is, I mean, 22 years old, he's a guy that is only three seasons into his career. Locking him up for eight years, he becomes a UFA at the end of that uh, that term as well. <clears throat> eight eight point four five. I mean, Dallas is now getting into Maple Leaf territory where they're locking up a lot of money in a lot in in very few players. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely, yeah. And I, I can understand the hesitation with that, but um, they, they're, they're, they're probably changing a direction right now where maybe they're trying to clear off some of the, the older contracts or some of the other ones right now because Tyler Sagan, 9.85. Granted, he misses past season with an injury. Um, Jamie Benn, 9.5 as well. So, yeah, they, they are going to have to try and start managing their cap a little bit more, but I feel comfortable giving that kind of money to Heiskanen as well, given the impact and how much of a leader that he is on this team right now. And my big question is, one, what are you going to do with S. Lundell? Because John Klingberg, Klingberg has 4.25, and he's going to be needing a contract for 2022-23. And also, does this set the market for Kale McCarr? Because... Kale McCarr is on a not necessary. I mean, he is on a whole nother level right now in terms of uh, puck moving defenseman. But if this is what if I'm Kale McCarr right now and he's saying, hey, Heiskanen got this. Why wouldn't I try to ask for that? I know that maybe he would want to try and take uh, less and just try and go the Nathan McKinnon route and win. Doesn't matter the contract. But hey, if he wants to get paid, that's the same price that I'm looking at for Kale McCarr right now. Well, I think it comes down to, you know, team mentality as well. And I think that's the mm-hmm. difference with Kale McCarr is, you know, he's there with McKinnon. Uh, he's played with Landis Gog. Yeah. He understands that to, to maintain that core, you need to 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 really take a, a little bit of a hit there. But, I mean, it, it does set the mark. And it sets the mark for a guy like Adam Fox as well, um, mm-hmm. who's in the final year of his entry-level contract as well. So, uh, you know, he's got he's now got a Norris under his belt. Um and, you know, I think that's going to be a big, big question mark for the Rangers moving forward as well. So the Heiskanen deal is definitely one that, uh, you know, has set the tone for these young defensemen. Um, fortunately for the Maple Leafs, they don't have one of those guys right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I mean, I, th- I, it is a big deal. It is, it, it's a big contract. It's a big commitment. But, I mean, at 22 years old, the, the – you know, the injuries haven't been there so far. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's a solid deal to lock up a franchise defenseman. Um, Definitely. I just think that, you, you know, you, it, the problem here is not so much the contract. It's the, the stale cap that we've talked about on numerous occasions yeah. um, that likely is going to stay that way over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that that is the main tipping point. And I hope, hope is the big word here that it does start to increase over time. Um, a lot is going to have to change. I mean, you're going to have to look at, you know, bringing in full capacity for teams, even though that some may still want to try and hold off. I know given how things are starting to change up here in Canada with the Jays coming back, minimum capacity at the Rogers center. Um, you could look to do that for the Air Canada Center right now. Uh, increase the capacity for when the season starts. Um, if things are better, maybe you can go full stadium like it is in the States. I don't know, but you got to take it on a day-by-day basis with everything that's going on. And if everything starts, if the, once the revenue starts to come in, I'm pretty, I'm guarantee that everything will go up, including the cap, the way that it was meant to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, moving on to another big deal, one from a former Leaf GM in Lou Lamorello with the New York Islanders. He ships Andrew Ladd and his remaining contract off to the Arizona Coyotes, who 
we've talked about on a number of occasions, have very little draft picks, very little pipeline. But with taking on Andrew Ladd, they also get a second-round pick in 2021, a conditional second-round pick in 2022, and a conditional third-round pick in 2023. So that uh, that will definitely help the Arizona Coyotes moving forward in terms of rebuilding that pipeline. And in the same breath, it helps the New York Islanders in ridding themselves of Andrew Ladd's contract. Um, thoughts on this deal as we uh, as we get into it? Um, yeah, just basically a win for the Coyotes getting those picks because, man, uh, they, they desperately needed that. And um, I, nothing to look too much into. The Islanders are clearing up cap space. Um, I, I don't know if they're actually – they were rumored to be in on Tarasenko, but, hey, if, if he's gone, chances are they're probably trying to clear up space even for someone like Gabriel Landeskog as well. Um so it's it's a win for both sides, cap clearance and Arizona gets picks because you know, although they could use a first round pick, that that would help. But you know what, adding another few picks in that regard, it's going to help them out no matter what. Yeah, no, absolutely, I I couldn't agree more. Um, Arizona needs to get as many picks as they can <laughs> after the whole John Chaka debacle that happened uh, in Arizona with the Coyotes. Um, before we get to the Maple Leafs, one last. Big trade to talk about. Um, the Preds send Ryan Ellis to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, in return, Nashville received defenseman Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick, who was then traded to the Golden Knights for Co- uh, Cody Glass. Um, this one is very interesting. Obviously, Ellis, an undersized defenseman who just plays all heart. Uh, if anybody watched him in the World Juniors when he was younger, uh, mm-hmm. this guy was an absolute stud on the back end for Canada. Um, Philip Myers is an interesting piece going back the other way. And obviously Nolan Patrick, um, you know, somebody who at one point was considered to be a first overall pick, um, fell, fell to second, but, um, you know, hasn't really had the career that people thought he would, uh, obviously with injuries and such getting in the way. My biggest note coming from this one is the Golden Knights sending Cody Glass, um, the other way. And I, I say that because we're talking about a team that at one point had Nick Suzuki in their pipeline and sent him to Montreal for uh, Max Pacioretty. And now they're sending another young, t- talented forward um, out, out, out the doors as well and, and kind of bringing in a guy who remains unproven. I wonder what their their thinking is here. Um, for me, I, I just wonder if they don't have enough room for Glass or if they're looking for more of a roster player at this point in in uh, Nolan Patrick. I think that's the case. But given how, how Cody Glass' development has been kind of steered off the way things were supposed to go, um, I think that's a real a real main concern for Cody for Glass as well. I think maybe going to Nashville could be a change of scenery, and with Duchesne and Johansson going uh, being unprotected, I think it, you have an opportunity for him to try and develop more into that top line or top six centerman that you know the Vegas Golden Knights had hopes for. And in regards to Nolan Patrick, I, I think he is what he is at this point. Um, it's a shame that 
you know, with all the migraines that he suffered and everything like that, that he's dealt with his time. He needs a fresh start as well. I think Vegas, given how they really didn't have a whole lot of depth during the playoffs and how everything dried up. I think this may try and reinvigorate him and the team as well to be a very consistent third liner. Cause I think that's what, what he's going to be for them going forward. Um, but also just, just Ellis to the flyers. I mean, that's a big move for them. And, uh, Provorov, Ivan Provorov is already, he now has an experienced, reliable defensive partner at his disposal. So that top line is going to be really fun, given how they both play a strong two-way game. Provorov can be menacing with his size and his ability to hit. Um, Ellis may not have that size, but he's still aggressive in trying to battle for those loose pucks and trying to gain an inside edge. So I think, (coughs) excuse me, um, everything worked out for all sides. I, I just think maybe more so, for the Golden Knights and the Predators, I think you're taking a chance and trying to reinvigorate a career on two players that, you know, they need a jump start. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if at, at some point in his career, Cody Glass comes back to to burn the Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. in the playoffs just the way that Nick Suzuki <laughs> did. But, well, um, yeah, all three first round picks that they traded gone. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I mean, I just I, I think it's an interesting move by them to to move move on from Cody Glass so early. But again, we'll see we'll see where it goes. And and, uh, you know, it maybe came down to money too, knowing that uh, in a couple of years, Cody Glass would be would be deserving of a new contract as well. So that's mm-hmm. something to, to consider, um, you know, when thinking about that. But we've had enough about NHL news. <laughs> Peter, let's get to our Toronto Maple Leafs. And there's a lot of conversation around the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Um, Whether it be the McCann trade, whether it be, you know, rumors that Landis Gog could land in Toronto, whether it be the Hyman um, rumors that are circulating. uh, uh, Goaltender wall to a, uh, another contract extension. Um, Where do you stand (laughs) on, on, on bringing him back? I mean, they have high hopes for him still, I think. Um, has some good moments, has some bad moments. I think maybe, I think now with bringing in goaltenders like Vinny Vevelainen and um, trying, to, trying to, my computer's freezing up again. Great. Um, technical difficulties here technical on the podcast. Yeah, Eric, uh, bringing in Eric Hallgren as well. Um, you have depth options but i'm thinking they're still trying to bank on the fact that maybe joseph wall can at least be a serviceable backup um 23 years old still young still trying to get his way in um still trying to develop a long way i think it's a good move no matter what you you can never have enough goaltenders in your system in case uh, anything happens um whether it's down the line or Maybe trying to use him as a trade chip. I don't know. I I I I think it's. I mean, it's a minor deal for a reason. So I'm thinking that there's still hope that they could try and get something out of him and maybe make it to the NHL at some point in a backup role. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, obviously, you know, 
Uh, a 892 save percentage and a 354 goals against with the Marlies uh, over the past, um, uh, sorry, through the through 15 games last season. Um, he, he spent the last two seasons with the Marlies. Uh, again, a guy that you mentioned still fi- trying to find his way a little bit uh, with the Marlies. Um, but he's, he's a big kid. He's a big kid, and I think that's what they see in him. Uh, he's got size. Um, that said, um, I, I think one of the things with the Leafs, too, is that we haven't really seen a, an in-house developed goalie in, in recent memory. A guy that mm-hmm. has come up and really really shone for the club. And, and maybe they have high hopes for, for him. Um, again, I, I don't think it, it's going to be in a starting role. I think there, there could be a possibility that he comes up and, and backs up at, at a certain point. But, um, yeah, I mean... Good, good news for him that he's he's going to be sticking around Toronto for a little bit longer, and and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, not, the Marlies are not a bad team. The Marlies have a lot mm-hmm. of talent. Um, you know, a lot he's of good got depth. a lot of good depth. He has an opportunity to really to really put up some numbers there. And um, you know, obviously, you and I will be keeping an eye on it as it as it unfolds this season. But yeah, I mean, good good news for him, and and hopefully we'll see him at the NHL level at some point. As for what the Leafs have been up to this week, they uh, traded for Jared McCann. And for me, I personally love this trade. Uh, and that's why I'm a little little disappointed that they left McCann um, unprotected in the, in the, uh, the expanded draft. I understand why they did it. Um, obviously, you know, he's a guy that could potentially be, be a, a solid pickup for the team. Um, if for for Seattle, if, if they choose to go that route, uh, he's just 25 years old, carries a 2.94 million dollar salary cap through 2021-22. Um, but yeah, I mean, a guy that definitely plays that depth role that uh, you know we we continue to talk about. Um, they needed kind of on the back end, and uh, I think it's just a it's a great move by them. Um, it was in the kind of down at the very last moments before they have to get their protected list in. But in return, they're, they're sending back uh, Philip Hollander and a seventh round pick in 2023. And I think it's interesting to note that the Leafs did acquire the uh, Philip Hollander in the Kasperi Kapanen deal um, last season. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh's high on Hollander, and and they wanted him back, and the Leafs wanted uh, some some depth in McCann. So I think either way, if if Seattle goes after Hall or uh, sorry McCann, or if Seattle goes after Kerfoot, uh, one way or the other, the Leafs have a solid depth player in in what they hold on to. Yeah, this, a lot to unravel. Um, essentially, that deal is basically capping it for McCann and Namirov if things play out the way that they should and we keep McCann. Um, yeah, I, I just want to talk about the projection list first. Um, given the fact that you do this trade, um, actually, I'll talk about the trade first because essentially you have a replacement for Alex Kerfoot, given the fact that maybe he can be taken by the Kraken. Um, better vision, strong centerman, great two-way presence to his game, really can shoot the puck and play in a top six role or third line role as well. I mean, just imagine him alongside um, 
J, uh, Tavares or Nylander or even Matthews and Marner for that matter. Um, uh, th- this is a really great pickup, like you said, and you mentioned this contract status too. Um, we had David Alter on the show before, and he mentioned on Twitter that of, and this is noteworthy for McCann, and I think this is why they got him, and maybe Kerfoot is more valuable to the Kraken because of his contract, but he's entering his seventh season, and he'll be 26 when his contract expires. Because he didn't accrue the minimum of 40 games played on the roster in 2016-17, he will be a restricted free agent as opposed to an unrestricted free agent. So because he didn't play 40 games or at least 40 games that year, the Maple Leafs have control of him as an RFA right now for another season. Given the fact that, you know, they could give him a slight increase over his contract right now, where maybe you take Kerfoot's money out and you extend him to 3.5 because you're getting more value out of him right now. So that to me is really a good cap maneuver, great roster addition, no matter what. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And like I said, I love the addition. I think he's he's an underrated guy. I remember back at uh, the uh, the combine before his draft year, I, I had a chance to talk to him in, in uh, it was just north of Mississauga at the uh, International Center. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just a solid kid, great attitude. Uh, pleasure to talk to and and I think you know he'll fit in well in the Leafs room if in fact he does stick with them past the expansion draft so I'm excited to see him in in blue and white uh, and and I hope that he does stick with us but uh, um, if not uh, it uh, it will be a short-lived stint with the Toronto Maple Leafs for Jared McCann yeah I, I I just something doesn't quite add up with this I mean what's the point of I mean, Hollander in the seventh, it's not big, but, you know, it's it's something that you would make to gain a really good asset in return. I I just don't understand. And um, I I saw this from Earl Schwartz, who does a lot of salary cap talk and everything like that. Um, he still thinks that there's a good chance that the Seattle Kraken still ends up taking Kerfoot. He uh, on a recent roundtable with theleafnation.com, he talked about – this is what he said. I talked about Hall has been with Toronto for six years now and never hit waivers. If Toronto was protecting him all along, McCann is probably behind Kerfoot on Seattle's list. Goes on to explain that um, I think Dubas really likes McCann and probably picked him up knowing they wouldn't have to protect him. And it's interesting to note that because when uh, – Alex Hobson, our fellow Leaf writer, wrote a really great in-depth trade piece or trade recap of the McCann trade. Siegel, earlier this morning, there was an excerpt that he posted, Alex, from uh, Jonah Siegel's article from The Athletic. And it said this, it doesn't sound like the trade will affect the Leafs projection or protection list for the expansion draft. Source suggests Justin Hall is expected to be protected, making it likely the Leafs have a side deal worked out with Seattle that is Kerfoot ending up with the Kraken. Now, we were led to believe James Myrtle said that there is unlikely that there's a side deal in place right now. So a lot unfolded in just a span of 
20 less than 24 hours from the trade until now and we may understand why they didn't protect mccann but i would have gone the route of 731 to protect both mccann and kerfoot mainly because of trade value now i get that they don't really want hall and dermot if that's the case i understand but if they were dead set on you know kerfoot why wouldn't you still want to protect Jared McCann in the process of 7-3-1? So I, I, I understand why they're doing it. If, if Seattle is dead set on selecting, selecting Kerfoot, then not protecting McCann is, it, it's a new point. It's a moot point, sorry. It, it doesn't really matter. But given how Maple Leaf fans and everything that's happened in the past, anything can happen. So I would have done the 731 and put McCann and another forward in there to fully protect him and not lose him than the possibility of losing him. Does that make sense? That makes that makes a lot of sense. I was going to make it make a joke <laughs> at the fact that your your description of it is exactly how Maple Leafs fans minds are going right now <laughs> leading up to Wednesday yeah. because I mean at the end of the day they get one player and the the craziness of what we what goes into us um theorizing it and trying to figure out who they're going to pick um it, it really it, it it's it's crazy it's crazy to think that all of this goes into it and and they end up taking one player but yeah i mean it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to to see what happens um because I, I I do think that the Leafs they they move Hollander because they want to keep a guy like McCann and I I do mm-hmm. think that not necessarily that they have a side deal but maybe that there's an understanding there that Seattle is going to take Kerfoot and that's why they made the move for McCann. That said, they maybe do have a side deal worked out in you know maybe maybe obviously we'll see what what that would be on Wednesday when they they do finally make their picks but. Um, yeah, I mean the way that these things kind of come together right at the last minute really, really tells you how much these guys are working the phones up in the in the mm-hmm. front offices of these teams. But yeah, I, I it, it's a lot, it's a lot, and and we're in we're in draft season, we're in expansion draft season, we're in free agency coming up. Um, this is this is this is what hockey's all about. There's really no vacation for for you know anybody uh yeah. let alone you know <laughs> players front offices uh us doing podcasts um but there yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds and and who who seattle ends up going with um my main thing with kerfoot as well I, and again i talked about it before early on in the episode he has term 3.5 is very enticing to them to get one more year of kerfoot than an RFA in McCann. But then again, they would have control over McCann and signing their contract as well. But I think, again, Dubas would not have made that move unless he knows for sure they're taking Kerfoot. So, I, I again, I, I still would have gone the safe bet and still protect McCann under that 7-3-1. And he just has more value than Hall or Dermot combined. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I honestly thought that they weren't going to protect Hall. Um, that mm-hmm. was a little bit of a surprise to me. But that being said, obviously, you know, they 
Hall, I think, gets a lot of flack for his play um, just because of the way that he started this this past season. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy that obviously is not protected is Zach Hyman, um, who has been granted the opportunity to speak with other teams. It's safe to say at this point that Zach Hyman will not be in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform when the puck drops on next season. I am. It's 99.99% sure that he is going to be somewhere else. Um, I, and I know we're going to talk about Gabriel Landeskog soon, but I wrote in my, in a, in the, in that rumor piece that, you know, Zach Hyman, you know, he deserves to go out and deserves deserves to get paid. I mean, he's earned it. He's earned that right. And he's a really effective player. There's no doubt about it, but just the asking price for him alone, like around the five, 5.5, 6 million over seven to eight years or six to eight years, that's a price I, I, I'm just not really sold on, given his injuries with his knees and the surgery that he had. Um, it, it's a big risk, and he's going into years later where that contract is going to really bite the team in a bad way. And I was always open for a 4 to $5 million deal in the 4 to $5-year range. Um Granted, if I, I I believe that if he wanted to take a discount, it would have been at five over eight, and even then, that's just too much. I would want an even term, even money value. I, it, another team's going to give him that. Great, he de- he deserves it. Is it a big risk? Absolutely. I just the Maple Leafs right now. I I just don't see it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think you know here's this is where I talked to earlier in the show about team mentality and, and Kale mm-hmm. McCarr and his deal with, with Colorado when it comes up. Yeah. Um, I, I think the problem here is Toronto, the, the team mentality wasn't, you know, let's keep this core together and, and try and win a, win a cup. This, this team mentality was, you know, we're going to get paid and, you know, rightfully so they're, they're, these are players that at the end of the day, this is their careers. This is what they're making money off of. Mm-hmm. They've got to earn it when they can. Um, and, and as you said, and as Paul Hendricks said on, on Twitter as well, um, you know, Zach Hyman has, has earned that opportunity to, to do that, to test the market, to see what he's, he's, what's available to him, um, and what he can sign for when it comes to Zach Hyman and the Leafs, $6 million is out of the question. Five and a half million dollars is out of the question. At the end of the day, what the Leafs have to spend is the four and a half five million dollar range and even then you're looking at a team that will have to find fillers for the remainder or the remainder of their lineup mm-hmm. um and to me at the end of the day when you look at his age you look at his his injury history and look i'm a huge zach hyman fan but to spend five six million on a guy like that it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense the longevity of the contract he's going to be looking for. It doesn't make sense. Um, he's had injuries to both knees. Um, you know, he like I said, he's getting up there in age. Um, I, I think he's one of the hardest working guys out there, and I think he's going to excel wherever he goes. I don't think it's going to be Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, I, I'm ninety nine point nine. Nine percent sure 
that when the puck drops on next season, we won't see Zach Hyman in a Maple Leafs jersey. And there's also the possibility, too, that they can still go out and try and get a Connor Garland or sign a Braden side where, you know, you could give that money to them because, you know, a little bit younger, more they're more durable. They don't have a lot of wear and tear on them with injuries. And, you know, you could get a lot more out of them in terms of production as well. Um, yeah, it's... To, I, again, even when we discuss the Erickson Eck and the R&H contracts, that to me, even 5.25 would be about as high as I would go in terms of Zach Hyman. But even so, that extra $250,000, I think that may still be a deal breaker for the Maple Leafs, given the fact that they wanted to try and get in in that 4.5 to 5 range. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, that brings me to my next question for you. How much is too much for a guy like Gabriel Landeskog? Mm, yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. When I was writing, I, I, I wrote a rumors piece about that, given the fact that, you know, David Pagnotta from the fourth period, who when I was working, I saw him break the, the John Tavares signing. So He's one of the best in the biz right now. I don't think he gets enough credit as he deserves right now. He deserves the blue check mark on Twitter. Um, he suggested that if they were able to move Kerfoot's $3.5 million contract, that'll free up enough space to pursue, to pursue Landis Cog. And rightfully so. Uh, the, the Maple Leafs have about right now, after the Jared McCann, they have 6.4 left. Get rid of that 3.5, you have about 9.7. But that alone isn't enough. I and I may, and I made sure to say this, and don't get me wrong, I would love Gabriel Landeskog, but given their cap situation, as always, it's always going to be tricky. Um, it would be enough. I there was a, a report that he's looking for nine to ten million. But I also heard from Elliot Freeman, Friedman on his 31 Thoughts podcast that maybe a seven by se- or seven times seven contract, seven years, seven million dollars, is that of a comparable to Anders Lee? And I think that would be a fair value for him. But if he's looking for more, then yeah, that definitely anything higher than that is out of the question for the Maple Leafs. But if they really wanted to make it work, they would also have to move on from Justin Hall, Travis Dermott, and Pierre Engvall, whose contracts are in the millions. But it would probably be best to save that extra money, even if you do trade those guys, and try and spread it out for more improvements throughout their lineup. Get a better Justin Hall. Get a better, um, you know, excuse me, um, bottom six forwards like a Blake Coleman or other pieces that you can insert everywhere and spread that cap money out as opposed to just forking it over for Landis Cog. I would love him. I think he would be a great fit. The money, if you get rid of Kerfoot fits, it's just what happens afterwards. Yeah, no, I, I, I think if you go seven for seven, um, that's a conversation I'm willing to have. I, I the terms a little longer than I would like, but you're getting him for a relatively decent, uh, you know, decent contract. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anything north of that, I think you're 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 starting to question yourself. And and that's nothing against uh, Landis Cog. I just think that's that's a question that come you know brings in in the cap situation in Toronto. And and right now the Leafs don't have a lot of cap room to spend. Um, and, and like we mentioned, if if this cap stays stale for the next five years, that complicates things in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I would love to have a guy like Landis Gog on the Leafs. Uh, I think he would bring so much leadership. He'd bring intensity. Um, he he he'd bring you know some some upside on the offensive end of the the ice as well. But it, it has to come at the right price. Yeah, definitely. And I think I understand your hesitation to trying to sign in the seven years. But when if Zach Hyman were to sign a seven year deal with the Maple Leafs, he'd be at 36. Or I think because we would have the rights, it would probably try and be an eight. So 36, 37 for Hyman. If we were to sign Gabriel Landeskog, he's 28 right now. You sign up the seven years, that's probably going to take him till he's about 34, 35. Again, I'm, I, I can't think of math at the top of my head, but you're looking in that range as well. So you're getting two years less than you would for Zach Hyman before maybe, I mean, obviously the play would probably start to decline, but it's happening at the right time for Landis Cog as opposed to it would be for Hyman. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, it, again, It'll it'll be interesting to see what what kind of splash the Leafs make. I'm mm-hmm. still waiting for that big name that that was mentioned at the end of last season, um, that the the Leafs were gonna go after in the uh, in the off season. I, I I don't think McCann's the guy, but um, <laughs> I'm sure that that's still coming, um, and I'm sure our mouths are gonna drop when we find out who it is. You're um, talking about that CJ report on the. I'm dang- talking about that C- yeah yeah the okay. CJ report yeah yeah. Um, I think the only clues were decent contract, missed the playoffs, American team. Yes, yes. So I'm still I'm I for me, decent contract. I mean, you're talking about a, a relatively well-known player at that point. Mm-hmm. You're looking at probably four or five, maybe just five point five, young player. Yeah. Yeah, so are we going Ricard Raquel, or, or what are we doing on that one? <laughs> uh, I, I still love Ricard Raquel. Hey, <laughs> there's all, hey, there's also one guy that I was going after in Connor Garland as well. So there's that possibility as well. He's an RFA, so that's really, really cheap with the contract that he was making. You have control of it over him. You get to determine the price for him. I think maybe that four or five million dollar range is going to be fair for him, given what he is able to accomplish or what he could accomplish as well. So, yeah, that 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 CJ comment is still lingering and still affecting us big time right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I'm going to get into CJ real quick after the uh, the Maple Leafs talk here. But uh, one last note before we jump to that, um, the Leafs. While they were looking at Bruce Boudreaux, at least according to Leafs Nation, um, they they remained young when it comes to when it comes to the the coaching staff, and they brought in Spencer Carberry, uh, HL Coach of the Year, uh, for the uh, the Washington Capitals affiliate, the Hershey Bears, 39 years old. Um, this is maybe a, a little bit more off the map of a hire when it comes to assistant coaches. That said. This guy comes with a lot of, of credentials. He comes with a lot of experience. 
Um, and obviously, you know, being named coach of the year in the AHL, um, a lot of success as well. So a, a solid addition to the Leafs coaching staff. While we won't see Bruce Boudreau, um, we will see Spencer uh, Carberry, which should be a great addition to the Leafs bench. Rachel Dory had this to say about Carberry, and her takes on hockey are absolutely phenomenal, and I trust her with everything that, you know, with her takes and her opinions and everything. She said this, oh, this is a great hire. I learn a lot every time I speak to Spencer. So given how... Maybe with the way that the game is changing, the philosophy and everything like that, the way that she thinks the game as well, they might be on the same page with everything. So I think they're going to be in a really great spot, given the fact that, you know, the Maple Leafs are always great for outside the box thinking and trying to, like, get that sort of edge uh, competitively and bringing him on is probably going to benefit them in the long run. And I don't know a lot about him. But from what I'm hearing, it looks like, you know, it, it is it is positive. And let's hope that, you know, he can help them out depending on whatever his um, role is going to be. It's going to be a good one. And I'm just looking at his tenure at, or his record as a coach for the Hershey Bears. 104.59-8, 658 points percentage. I don't know about you, but that sounded like a lot like Sheldon Keefe territory when he was in the AHL. Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. And, and uh, I believe it was Keefe who, who said that uh, he is very excited. He's thrilled to have, uh, to have Carberry join his coaching staff. So, I mean, all positive vibes coming up, coming up for the Leafs here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can, they, they need all the help they can get right now to figure out, you know how to get that power play going how to get that uh how to get past that first round so yeah um yeah definitely something uh that that uh, is worth noting for the maple leafs um i i mentioned cj because i do want to get into a couple of uh things that he has tweeted over the last little bit uh, i'm just kind of surfing twitter as we're talking here Ooh. um but he did mention that uh, one one thing we didn't note was Barclay Goudreau, uh, UFA, obviously with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning. His his uh, negotiating rights were traded to the New York Rangers for seventh round pick in 2022. Mm. Um, there was a lot of a lot of people were were frustrated with with the trade, saying why did the Leafs go after him? Well, let's get let's let's get this out of the way. It's his negotiating rights. There is whispers, according to. Uh, Chris Johnston that there are several teams that are willing to offer him a six-year deal if he does in fact hit the open market on July 28th so keep that in mind keep keep your eyes on on you know the open market when July 28th rolls around this is not out of the question for the Leafs Um, a six-year deal might be a little much but it is something that could potentially come into fruition Um, it's not again Goudreau is not off the market. He's simply, his rights have been traded, um, giving the Rangers the opportunity to figure something out now rather than waiting till the July 28th deadline. Six years, one million per six. Yeah, yeah. Six, it, six, uh, $6 million total, $6 million value over six years, one million per year. I, or I just mean, over? Just over. Not a question. Not a question. <laughs> Because his, his his cap hit was under a million dollars, 
And I'm I'm betting maybe he wants to see an increase. So maybe let's go. If there's an AAV of two two point five million for Barkley Goudreau right now, who is we we saw how well he produced in the Stanley Cup playoffs and how well that line of him, Gord and Coleman, rose to the occasion in this, in basically that series against Montreal. Who would want that? If it's going to be a good cap hit as well, I I, I can't see anything more. Then maybe three million if it is. Bit of a gamble because he is twenty eight, but hey, um, it's worth exploring. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, it's worth exploring. Um, I also wanted to mention that uh, there are some 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 speculations surrounding who the the Seattle Kraken could be taking. Uh, this comes from NHL underscore Watcher on Twitter. Um, he he's reporting that Chris Johnson did say that Mark Giordano is most likely to be selected by the Seattle Kraken when it comes mm. to the Calgary Flames. That I mean, for one, it, anybody who's watched Giordano over the years, he's a guy that uh, you know leads by example, hell of a leader, um, has worn the sea in Calgary, um, undrafted defenseman who has just gone on to have an, an unbelievable career. Um, that that would be an interesting pick for Seattle. It was also from the same same Twitter account here. It says that uh, Chris Johnston also says that Jake Bean is likely to be selected by the Seattle Kraken and Ooh. makes reference to the fact that Jake Bean was selected by the Carolina Hurricanes who had GM Ron Francis in place when he was chosen uh, 13th overall in 2016. So a little bit of a connection there as well. And the last note I want to make, and I, I can't believe I'm referencing this this guy on the on the podcast, but Steve Simmons um, <laughs> did report eight hours ago that two NHL GMs did say that Carey Price isn't going to Seattle, that it's not <laughs> happening. Yeah. So you know, keep that in mind. Obviously, take everything you read with a grain of salt, but worth noting that it, it likely won't be Carey Price. There's been a ton of speculation that it's going to be Chris Drieger. Um, so, I mean, take that for what you will. We're just a uh, basement podcast that uh, <laughs> loves to report any rumors that we see. So, definitely, um, yeah. I mean, take that for what you will. Um, yeah. Given the news that came up about Carey Price's injury and the possibility that he needed surgery, it it makes sense now. I know a lot of people were up in arms. The chaos uh, wanted that. Many people wanted that for Seattle to select Carey Price, but more context was given. Jake Bean to uh, Seattle, that's going to be a big loss for the Hurricanes because during his time with the Hitmen, with uh, even watching him at the uh, World Junior Championships, he was a really great player for them. And real steady two-way presence, great mobility on that back end. And Mark Giordano, if he's going over there, there's your captain for Seattle. I mean, I, I I don't think anyone deserves to see more than him, given what he's done in Calgary. How's that for a defense pairing? Mark Giordano and Jake Bean, your top pairing in Seattle. What better way for Jake Bean to learn the ropes around the NHL and how to, you know, manage his way around than with one of the best leaders in the league? Does oh, it get better than that? Absolutely, absolutely. So as we kind of close out here, the speculation will continue. Um, I'm sure when we when we hit the airwaves again next week, we'll uh, we'll have lots to talk about, obviously, with the expansion draft already having taken place. Um, 
before we close it out here, Peter, anything else you wanted to share with our, our listeners? Any anything that you've been up to over the last little bit? Any any articles coming out that you've uh, you really want to pump the tires of? Just be on the lookout for the drafts, uh, the NHL drafts. Um, shifting attention to that, free agency as well. So get ready for some breaking news po- uh, posts because everything's going to be flying right now. How about you, man? Um, yeah, I mean, same here, guys. Check out the hockey writers. Check out our our show. Um, you know the NHL. Yes. The, yes, the yes, draft yes. content that we've provided on on YouTube from the hockey writers, Greg Boysen, great, great, great host. Um, obviously, you know Peter, myself, Matt Zader over at the hockey writers. Also, check out the Maple Leafs Lounge. I know, I know, I haven't been a huge part of that over the last little while. You know, life gets in the way every once in a while, guys. But um, understandable, you know, Peter, man. Yeah, Peter, uh, Kevin, Alex, uh, the old prof, they all do great work on that as well. So check that out over on the Hockey Writers YouTube channel. For us, this is episode 48. We're coming up on episode 52, which means we'll be we'll have been doing this for a year. Uh, it's hard to believe. Um, I know I've been kind of tempting you all with this good news that we've kind of been pushing <laughs> over a few weeks. I'm going to I'm going to spill the beans. Um, we've got some merch uh, hopefully hitting hitting um, uh, some site somewhere sometime soon. But we, we definitely have some merch in the works. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. It's great stuff. Uh, if you know, if you want to support the podcast, if you want to support Peter and myself, um, definitely check it out. Otherwise, just continue listening. As I mentioned last week, we hit 2,000 listens uh, or downloads, I should say. You guys have been great. Mm -hmm. Uh, We couldn't ask for better fans, better listeners, and uh, just continue reading our stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and Aside from that, episode 48 in the books. Thank you all again for listening and tuning into our podcast. You can follow Peter on Twitter at Pete Barracchini. You can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes or the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E 6-I-X-P-O-D. Or head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast to download our latest episode. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out on YouTube as we continue to push out content there as well. And we continue to bring you great content week in and week out. Until next time, that's it for Peter and myself. See you again next week. Have a good one.